Welcome to the new 24-Minute Bible Podcast, where each week we seek to understand the practical truths of the Bible and how they can change our lives. And now, here's your podcast host, Pastor Mark Miner. Well, hello everyone, and thank you for joining me on this very special episode of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. I guess I assume that every episode is important, or I wouldn't spend my time preparing them, but uh, I hope that these next four, including last week's, these total of five episodes, uh, help bring some clarity to what's going on in the world today as we look at understanding the Middle East. Understanding the Middle East. And so we're going to get into a little bit of history today. I'm sorry, but the history explains in large part the Middle East. And today we're going to be talking about bloodlines on uh, this episode, episode 145, in fact, of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. So I'm going to ask you to uh, <clears throat> explore this with me. Uh, I don't think there's anything too controversial other than uh, under helping us to understand what is going on in the world today that has caused some major leaders and certainly uh, those in the religious prophetic realm. And, and I just read on Twitter, now called X, and some of the places I go, I, I hear the concern about World War III. I, maybe they're just tossing out those terms, but my friend, when we start talking about a third world war, we have moved into a major new era of life. Uh, because of, of all of the animosity that's out there, also the weaponry and the technology and certainly the biblical prophecy that is entailed. And I would just simply say this to you as a listener, and again, thank you for being a part, and I'm going to try to uh, <clears throat> excuse me, unpack some things here for you so that you can understand from a biblical worldview, a biblical mindset, how we got to where we're at. But I would simply say at the outset, nothing gives the Bible more credibility than to read the Bible in one hand and to read the papers or listen to the podcast or, or wherever it is you get your news, the new cat newscast uh, of the day. Uh, we're talking about the countries that God has said 2,000, 3,000 years ago these were, the, these were the countries and these were the situations that were going to take place in the, quote, last days. Do I believe that we're in the last days? I certainly believe we could be simply because of so many major players and so many prophetic uh, words that we find in the book of Daniel, that we find in the book of Ezekiel, even in the New Testament, in Jesus' sermon uh, on uh, the Mount of Olives called the Olivet Discourse where his disciples ask him, what are going to be the signs of the end of the age? And so many of those signs are now, at least seemingly from our perspective, with our eyeglasses on, they seem to be right upon us. So thank you for being a part. Uh, it's an exciting time to be alive. Don't be afraid or concerned. Just understand that, that the Bible is speaking to these things and so we are here today in these 24 plus minutes to help uh, understand the Middle East. And today, <clears throat> again, excuse me, a lot of pollen in the air uh, where I'm at right now as I record this. So I'll do my best. But uh, as we record, as I record this episode, uh, Bloodlines, under these next four or five episodes, Understanding the Middle East. 
Last week, just to do a little review, uh, I uh, spoke to you and talked, tried to, to explain a, a very seminal, important question. And the question is, who is entitled to the land? As I stand before you right now, recording this here in, in, uh, on November 9th of uh, <clears throat> 2023, there was a war going on. That war was precipitated by Palestinians that came out from Gaza Strip and killed at least 1,400 people in their initial uh, horrendous, evil onslaught where they killed men, women, and children, all of them unarmed, by the way. Uh, there are, were more that we are accounting for now, but uh, I just say that number because this has been the worst tragedy for Israel uh, since World War II, certainly the most surprising, Masada, if some of you are students of, of Masada back in the Roman days, uh, around 1,000 people were killed uh, or actually took their life in the episode called Masada. We're talking about more than that. We're talking about at least 1,400 plus people in the initial attack. So this is a big deal. And it's probably going to get bigger, although uh, I hope and pray that peace comes. I hope and pray that lives are spared. But I also know, having been to Israel a number of times, having uh, some very, very good friends who are uh, officers in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, uh, they, they live a different mindset. They experience a different worldview than we do, for they have been shot at and they have lost friends. And they understand the visceral hatred that is out there for the nation of Israel and for the Jewish ethnicity. So uh, we are going to get into the bloodlines right now. And so, uh, but I ask in review, I ask this question, who is entitled to the property? I'm not going to say which group, people group, but I'm going to let you decide how you decide who's entitled. I gave you last week four options as to a philosophy, a philosophical underpinning of, of uh, who owns the land. It could be, number one, the first settlers. Are they the ones that own the land, according to your judgment, sort of first come, first served? We talk about indigenous people. Even here in America, we talk about indigenous people who were those first ones. Were they, the quote, Native Americans? Were they a certain Indian tribe? Well, I'm talking about America now. But let's move that into the realm of the Middle East. Who were the first settlers? So if they're the ones that are entitled, then we can begin to have a discussion. If that's whom you believe is entitled to the land, that would be option number one. Option number two, the owner or the original entitlement of the land goes to those who colonized it who settled it and farmed it and pastured it and raised crops and did the things that are indigenous that are, that are a part of the idea of settling an area. A lot of people travel through the land, but they don't settle it. So maybe number two, this may be a second option for you, people who settled the land are entitled to it. Number three, it's a uh, third option is those who control the land. They have the power, they have the strength, they have the boundaries, they have the forts, they have the guns, they have the weapons, whatever it is, but they control the land and they define the borders. So that's option number three of who's entitled to the land. And number four, and this comes into a biblical understanding, uh, is there a divine entitlement? God said 
in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 15, we have verses that uh, record God speaking to Abraham, telling him that he would give him the land of the Canaanites, the land of the people that he was uh, living among but had not yet uh, taken possession of. Uh, so <clears throat> is that because God has said so? Does that give uh, a certain group, particularly as we talk about the Bible here, Abram and his children, does that give him entitlement to the land because God gave it to them? So that's a fourth option. First settlers, they want number one, who, who colonizes it, number two, uh, those who control it, number three, or those to whom God has said, this is yours. Four options. You decide which ones you think are the best way to figure out who is actually entitled to the land. We're going to move now into today's area. That was review. We're going to move today into uh, uh, the, what I'm entitling or calling this the bloodlines. I would encourage you, if you're a regular listener, thank you very much, by the way. Tell your friends if you would. Uh, if it's your first time, thank you for stopping by. I hope this helps you. Not here to preach. I am here to teach. Certainly, I'm just here to share. The purpose of, our, of this podcast is to present the Bible in a simple, understandable way so that you can make decisions on your own about what the Word of God, as uh, we hold it in our hands, the Bible uh, says to us. So today we're talking about bloodlines. We've got to start with Abraham. I'm going to encourage you to, if you have Facebook, to check out the 24-minute Bible podcast Facebook page. Just type in your search engines, the 2424, and then minute, and you'll come to that page. The reason I'm saying to go to Facebook is because there I can give you maps and charts and for today's episode, we're going to need maps and charts because we're going to talk about Abraham, then we're going to talk about terms, both of the tribes, the group, the people groups, and then of the land. So it may get a little complicated. I'm going to go as slow as I can, but also want to cover things. It would be best if you see it as well as hear it from me. So I encourage you to go to my Facebook page as well. Let's talk about Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, as an old child's song goes from Vacation Bible School and Children's Church era. <clears throat> and that's very true. How many sons did Father Abraham have? That's the question. I'm going to give you the answer. He had eight. Eight children are recorded in the Bible as being fathered by Abram or Abraham. Who might they be, you might ask, Mark? Well, let me just describe uh, how that works out. Abraham had three spouses. He first fathered a child through Hagar, who was his wife's handmaiden or maidservant. And that child was known as Ishmael. You're probably familiar with Ishmael. I've heard the name before. So that was through Hagar, wife number one. And I'm just going to use that as a term, wife, rather than describe it in some other term. Uh, wife number one, fa Abraham fathered Ishmael. Wife number two, which was truly his wife, Sarah, uh, the one that he had lived with, lived in Ur of the Chaldees, which was Iraq, the one with whom he had traveled to uh, 
the land of the Canaanites, Canaan back then, which we know of today as Israel. So Sarah is wife number two. And Sarah also was the recipient of a child through the loins of Abraham, one child by the name of Isaac. Isaac is the one whom the entire Bible from this point on traces as we look at Isaac's children and his grandchildren on and on and on till we come to ultimately Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Messiah, the Messianic line. And that's why Isaac is called the child of promise because it was through him that the lineage of the Messiah would come according to the Bible. So wife number two, <clears throat> Sarah. And she births uh, through, uh, inter through a relationship, intercourse with Abraham. Uh, Isaac is born. <clears throat> we know those two. You may or may not be aware of the third wife. Sarah probably, we assumed, dies. Certainly the scripture says that Abraham took another wife, and it does seem to be after Sarah's passing, and her name was Keturah. K-E-T-U-R-A-H. We read about her in Genesis 25.1, where it says Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Keturah, Keturah. And she bore him, and I'm not going to read to you the names of the kids. There are uh, <clears throat> six of them, though. So six children were born through Keturah, the third wife, if you will, of Abram. So as we talk about children, there were six through Keturah, one through Sarah, one through Hagar. As my math is uh, working in my mind, I believe that adds up to eight sons in all that can trace directly a bloodline back to Abraham. Now, why is that important? Well, because in many ways, what's going on in Israel today really is a family feud a huge family feud, a deadly family feud, but it is indeed that because the bloodlines so cross eight different sons at least, but eight different sons that are identified in the Bible trace their lineage back to Abraham. Then it gets even more complicated because as we add up the children, the eight children, they all of course have children, and again, without going into how that all plays out, the Bible defines this in Chronicles, First Chronicles. A chronicle is a listing, and it's a genealogy, a very complete one, as well as in the book of Genesis and in other places. In the Bible, we find that Abraham uh, had at least 21 grandchildren. 21 sons, not just, well, I'm not even talking about the ladies, the, the females, we're just talking about the males now. 21 boys that could call Abraham Gramps. Think about that. So eight children, 21 at least grandchildren. Now that fills, that begins, you begin to understand how the land becomes filled with half-brothers and relationships. Let me bring you to one other uh, situation here, and <clears throat> that is Abraham's nephew, Lot. Now, Abraham had nothing to do with that other than Lot was his nephew. So of the same lineage of Abraham, not from his loins, but of the same up, uh, bloodline, upline, if you will. I can't say that very often. Bloodline, upline. <clears throat> but Lot, if you'll remember, uh, birthed two children. 
he birthed them or fathered them through his daughters, a very unique scenario that uh, you can read about in Genesis right after the, uh, uh, the ending of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, <clears throat> Abraham's two daughters were impregnated, uh, excuse me, Lot's two daughters were impregnated by Lot, and they are named Moab and Ben-Ami. They became the tribe of the Moabites and the tribe of the Ammonites. And we read about them warring with Israel quite often, but we also read about a young girl, a young Moabite girl. Her name was, remember, Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite coming from a descendant of Lot. And of course, Ruth becomes part of the Messianic line. She is the great, great grandmother of King David, the greatest king of Israel. It really gets messy, doesn't it? Are you confused yet? Let me add one other uh, little component to this, and then we're going to move to the terms quickly in our time remaining today. <clears throat> we also, we remember that uh, uh, Isaac, that would be Abraham's son, the promised child, through Sarah. Uh, Isaac fathered two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob, of course, became the 12 tribes of Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and they became the 12 sons or the 12 tribes of Israel that I'm sure you've heard about. Uh, but there's also Esau, who was also a grandson of Abraham. And Esau went on to father uh, uh, five sons of his own. And those five sons were cousins, blood cousins, full cousins, to the 12 tribes of Israel, or Jacob. So we've got a lot of cousins running around. And as we come to some terms here in a few moments, one of the things about Esau that we are, that traditionally scholars will say that Esau, uh, along with Ishmael, was the father of the Arabs. So it really does get uh, interesting and complex when we look at the bloodlines. I hope that hasn't messed you up too much. Again, I've got some charts uh, that you can look at on the Facebook side of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast that I think will help you. Let's go now to some terms. Names matter. Terms matter. We want to get uh, five terms concerning this area that is sometimes, uh, excuse me, before we do that, let me give you some terms of the tribes or the groups, the people groups, and then we'll get lastly to uh, the territory that we're talking about. If you've ever heard the term, and I'm certain you have, anti-Semitic. It's tossed around a lot today because of all the conflict that's going on between the Palestinians and the Israelis or the, the Jews in Israel. And so, but if somebody says they're anti-Semitic, what are they saying? Where does that term come from? Well, it comes, if you remember, if you're a Bible student, if you're a listener to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast, you've been with me for those 145 or so uh, episodes going back as we unpack the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we, you'll remember that, that Noah got on a boat. And after about a year off the boat, uh, he got off the boat, the flood, the great flood of Genesis chapter 6, and he had his three sons with him, Ham, Japheth, and Shem. 
And Shem is the father of a race. Uh, and if someone says they're anti-Semitic, they are really anti-Shem. That's where the name came from. So it's pretty inclusive of a large group of people, most often just attached to the Jews. But in fact, it includes a lot, much larger group of people than just what we would take, call today the Jews. So anti-Semitic is one. You have heard of the term Hebrews. And Hebrews came from a man by the name of Eber. Eber was Abraham's uh, great, 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 great grandfather. I think I got the greats right there. Eber was the father of the Hebrews. So when we use the term Hebrew, we're talking about the children of Eber. And of course, all the children, uh, all the, of the Israelites were from Eber. But there were a lot of other groups that were also from Eber as well. We continue to narrow down. You heard the term, we use the term Israel or Israelites. What specifically is that talking about? Who specifically is that talking about? It is talking about the 12 sons of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when we talk about the Israelites, that's specifically what we're talking about, those who came from Israel. There's another term that is tossed around, some, and, and most often wrongly, as we talk about the Jews. Well, the Jews, the term Jew, comes from the word Judah. Judah was one of the 12 sons of Israel. So as we continue to narrow it down and get more specificity in our people groups, to technically, if you're a Jew, that means you have come from the lineage of Judah. Jesus was king of the Jews because he came from Judah. If he had come from the line of Asher or Naphtali or one of the other people groups, Benjamin, Levi, he could not have been king of the Jews. But because Jesus was born from the lineage of Judah, one of the 12 sons of Israel, uh, he was the king of the Jews. The term Jew is used in a generic sense for anybody but most technically, it's talking about the children of, uh, that came from Judah. Lastly, here in our five sort of terms, uh, we want to talk about the Arabs. Traditionally, the Arabs are descendants of Ishmael and the sons of Keturah. So we have them as sort of the father group, if you will, the parenting group of the Arabs. There is a lot of commingling. I think that's a nice word. Uh, there's a lot of interbreeding, if you will, <clears throat> concerning all of these tribes. Nothing is really pure uh, in, in that, that sense. So as we read through the Bible, uh, we get mixed up. I get confused. I, I would assume you might as well. But that maybe will help you with those five groups, Shemitic or anti-Shem, uh, Hebrews, Israelites coming from the 12 sons, Jews coming from the tribe of Judah, and Arabs basically coming from the lineage of Ishmael and the boys, the sons of Keturah. Got that? Here we go. Last thing. I'll just tell you right now, next week we're going to be talking about the Palestinian question. Because the big question is, for us today, uh, as people are riding in the streets and walking and supporting the Palestinians, they have first rights and they were there first, and, and, and all kinds of things will be said, much of it in ignorance, certainly ignorance from the Bible. The big question is, who are the Palestinians? 
And that's a question that's not been answered exactly yet. I'm going to attempt to deal with it next week, but that's next week. Let's talk about five more terms that have to do with the land. We use these terms in sort of an all-inclusive way. It's sort of like if I want a Coke, I may say, give me a Coke, and you may give me a Pepsi, or you may give me a Mountain Dew or a Dr. Pepper. Well, it's a generic term. Coke has become that. Or I say, give me a Kleenex. Well, I'm actually asking for a tissue. Kleenex is the name brand of a certain type of tissue, but it's become sort of the generic term. That's the way it works with the land as we get these terms sort of commingled, mixed up, they don't make sense to us. But let's try to pack it out, unpack it here in these uh, last few moments of our podcast. Let's get the first term, the promised land. What is the promised land? Well, it is genuinely the land that God promised to Abraham. That's what we call the promised land. Even in the Passover, the very first Passover celebration is Moses and the children of Israel were getting to come out of Egyptian bondage. And you know the Passover that is truly the 10th the plague that set them free. Exodus 13, 11 says, After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors. There it is. The promised land. So that's one term that is basically uh, this land that God promised to Abraham. There are some definitions concerning that land, basically from the uh, Mediterranean Sea all the way to the Euphrates River was the original promised land. That's not the case today, but that was part of what God promised uh, to the children of Israel. The only time they ever ex experienced that was under the reign of Solomon when they truly did have the promised land of that size. But promised land means it came from a promise from God. Term number two, holy lands. A lot of people go to the holy lands. Well, the holy lands are that area we call the promised land or the Middle East, which is another term I'll define here in just a second. But the holy lands really are holy to three different religions, to the Jews, to the Christians, and to the Muslims. So Holy Lands really means anywhere in that region that we know today as the Middle East. Let's talk about a third term, and that's Israel. Well, what is Israel? Israel is really a group of people, 12 sons of Jacob, as I've mentioned earlier in the podcast. <clears throat> and it is a nation that was formed out of those 12 sons. The only time that Israel truly was a nation of, of a united sort the United States of Israel, was under the three kings of Saul and David and Solomon. After that, civil war took place, and they never were a united nation again until 1948. And in 1948, after over 2,500 years of division and never a, a unified Israel, Israel becomes a nation again for the first time. That's why I make a point of this quite often. It really matters. And today, Israel is a sovereign country. It's not a Jewish country, although it is prepon uh, the preponderance of people are Jews, but there are Arabs that serve in the Knesset. That's the government of Israel. It is a sovereign country that is secular in its basis although its heritage goes back to the Bible. I know that may be a little complicated for us today, but Israel is a, a country and not necessarily an ethnicity. The nation of Israel formed May 14, 1948. 
Let's talk about the Middle East. The Middle East, where does that term come from? And, and who defines the middle? Well, here's where it gets tricky, and this is where we're going to uh, move on in next week to defining this more fully. But in the early 1900s, late 1800s, the, the British ruled the world. The sun never sets on the British Empire was a saying that was out because the, the British ruled from India and China all the way to South America, Argentina, uh, all over the world. British had sailed and conquered and established um, groups and, and, and provinces that they controlled or influenced, and they determined the terms. So when we think of the East, well, the East is, and for the British, it all started with them. So what was the Near East? Well, that would be the lands closest to Great Britain. We might know it as Europe, uh, because the, again, the, the British thought they were the center of the world at that time. So the Near East is Turkey and Greece and the Balkans, the Romania, uh, different areas that we would think of as, as Europe, kind of Central Europe. That's the Near East. Then there's the Middle East. Well, what is the Middle East? The Middle East is basically anything at the end of the Mediterranean Sea. It involves Israel, countries we know today would be Jordan, perhaps Egypt, Syria, uh, moving on to Iran and Iraq. Uh, they call that the Middle East. And so when I use the term understanding the Middle East, that's the area of the world I'm talking about, all predicated on the fact that England is the center of the world. So we had the Near East the Middle East, and then of course you have the Far East, and that's China, and that's Japan, and that's Korea, because it's the farthest east away from Great Britain. Hope that helps, hope that makes some sense to you. Time's winding down, so I'm gonna give you one last uh, term that the British came up with. The British, as you're gonna see in the next episode, had a huge part in the decisions of the Middle East and in the mess of the Middle East from some decisions and uh, just some uh, acts that they did, some mandates that they had. But the fifth term that I want to give you, first one was Promised Land, second was Holy Lands, third one was Israel, fourth one was Middle East, the fifth one is the term Palestine. Palestine is not mentioned in the Bible or the Quran or the New Testament. Uh, it is the, the Philistines are mentioned, but not the term Palestine. Palestine comes from Latin. And the Romans assigned the name Palestine to what we would call the Middle East. Later on, much later, uh, the British also named that area, that region, uh, Palestine. Uh, for some reasons that we'll look at next in the next episode. But Palestine is really a misnomer. We don't know, yet it's stuck, and it's there today. But Palestine really isn't an area. It's not even really a people that we're sure of uh, as far as their ethnicity and their origin. But a third term used for, or a fifth term, excuse me, used for uh, this area we know of as the Middle East is Palestine. And that was used predominantly in the early 1900s, all the way up literally till the formation of Israel in 1948 as a sovereign country. Wow. A lot of things to cover. But if you don't know that, you're not going to understand if you don't some of the things we talked about and have at least a working knowledge of it. You, the, the whole Palestinian question that's in front of us today, that people are dying for today, this very moment, 
will not make any sense to you. So next week we look at the Palestinian question and we talk about who is this people, where do they come from, and what are their role in this world today? How did they get there? So thank you. I went over my 24 minutes. I apologize for that. But thank you so much for listening. I hope this has helped you. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you next week again on the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to our channel. And if you would be so kind, share it with your friends who might enjoy it. We would also love it if you would leave us a review. It really does help us. Join us next week for another episode as we work our way through the Bible book by book. Have a blessed week.